me. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as those longing to be held by you, longing to be spoken to. And so I pray, Lord, that as we hear your word this night, you would speak to us tenderly. Speak to us individually. Speak words of life. Our hearts are open. Give us ears to hear the message that you would speak to us this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On July 8th of this year, there was a house fire in a little trailer park in a town of Texas called Socorro, Socorro, Texas. There was an officer named Joshua Gonzalez of the local police department, and he was driving by in his patrol car when he saw plumes of smoke coming from the roof of the tiny house, flames bursting through. So he pulled over only to find the neighbors yelling and screaming that there was a family trapped inside of their two grandparents and their eight-year-old grandson. Officer Gonzalez did not hesitate but he ran directly toward that flaming house, knowing that his only mission was to save those people who had been trapped lest they die a fiery death on that day. When he came up to the front door, it was hot to the touch, but Officer Gonzalez did not let that deter him from breaking right through, for he knew that inside on the other side of that door were people who were in danger. He first came upon the little boy cowering in a corner, choking and squinting from the smoke. And so Officer Gonzalez grabbed that little boy and held him close as he exited the burning house. He handed the boy to the neighbors who cared for him on the lawn as the officer went back in to find the home's other elderly residents. Officer Gonzalez ran from room to room, dodging falling beams and fighting through thick, and choking smoke until he found that couple huddled together in their back bedroom. And one by one, he helped them from their fiery home as the neighbors called for the fire department and helped in every way that they could. CNN ran a story the following week detailing how this heroic officer had saved that family from certain death in the fire room inferno that was their home and how without the help of those neighbors, none would have survived. The little boy said on camera that he was disappointed that his baseball cleats had burned in the fire. And the next day that little boy had a brand new shiny set of baseball cleats, compliments of Officer Gonzalez. First he saved that little boy's life and then he restored for him what had been lost. And what makes that story so beautiful is that this police officer knew that he had a job to do. He knew that it was up to him to save that family on that day. He knew that his life was fully in danger when he turned to run toward that flaming house, and yet he went. Surely, on the way in, he considered the, what could have been the terrible cost of rescuing that family, but he deemed them worthy, and so selflessly he went. And those neighbors, all who pitched in to summon help and provide first aid, they were necessary heroes. And because of all that were involved, precious lives on that day were saved. Our scripture starts today with a peculiar phrase. We hear Luke say in verse 51, 
When the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. Just like that police officer, Jesus headed toward the danger. He had no delusions about what awaited for him in Jerusalem. In fact, just a few verses before the passage that we heard Pastor Johnson read today, twice in Luke chapter 9, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be delivered over to the hands of men. He would be rejected, he would be beaten, he would suffer, and he would die. Jesus knew exactly what waited for him in Jerusalem, and yet he set his face toward Jerusalem. Our Savior had resolved that this was what he had come to do, to do the will of the Father, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to save those who were in danger, lest precious lives be lost to sin and to fiery death. But despite what he knew awaited him, Jesus was not to be deterred. Why? Because he set his face toward Jerusalem. What does it mean that he set his face toward Jerusalem? To better understand that, to get a better idea of what Luke was saying, it's helpful to go back to the Old Testament and read what is in Isaiah chapter 50 verses 6 and 7 where we hear the words that prophesy what our Savior would endure on our behalf. And here's what they say. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Flint is a very hard sedimentary rock. When struck against itself, flint edge produces a spark that can start a fire. And so setting your face like flint implies that you're expecting some fire. You're expecting some difficulty. You're expecting some opposition. And yet, you're expecting to stand strong in the face of all that adversity. And so Luke's words are pregnant with meaning when he says, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. That Jesus set his face meant that he regarded those difficulties that he knew were ahead of him as worthwhile to endure as he considered what they would accomplish in the end. What that means exactly is that Jesus thought of you. He waited against the suffering and the death that laid ahead. And guess what? He deemed you worthwhile. And so he set his face toward Jerusalem. Today on Ash Wednesday, it's appropriate for you and me to consider our sin. How it separated us from the Father in heaven. Because it is that very sin that necessitated Jesus to go to the cross in Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. But God wasn't having any of that. Thanks be to God he sent us his son Jesus. One of my favorite clarifications about that verse I heard from a preacher. His name is Louis Giglio. And he says this. 
Sin doesn't make you and me bad people. Oh, no. It is much worse than that. Sin made us dead people. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions. So Jesus came to live and die and live again, that we would no longer be dead but have life. I love those words. It was God's will for his son to suffer and die for the sins of mankind so that we would not remain dead in our sin but be saved to new life. Jesus knew this full well. He knew the will of the Father, and still he went. Our Savior knew exactly what you and I were going to cost him, his very life. He knew that it was going to be messy, and he knew that it would be painful, and he knew that he would die at the end of the road, and yet he followed the path marked out for him toward Jerusalem, setting his face like flint. Praise God, and thank you, Jesus, for loving us that much. Setting his face toward Jerusalem meant having the resolve to achieve the Lord's purposes. There were countless opportunities for Jesus to abandon the plan, in fact, when he told his disciples about what he was going to endure, they begged him to take an easier road. But Jesus was steadfast. Jesus was resolute. He was unwavering in seeking redemption for you and me. Jesus chose the difficult path because that was what was required for you and me to be saved. We're reminded in Philippians 2 that Jesus left the easy road for the saving road. Paul tells us this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus did what it took. He traveled the difficult road. He had the unretractable resolve to achieve God's purpose so that you and I could have life. Setting his face toward Jerusalem means having a heart that is broken for the pain in this world. All throughout Jesus's ministry, he had compassion on all of those who he encountered. Jesus's heart broke for the grieving widow at Nain. He cared for the sick, he wept at the sadness of his friends when they lost their brother. He reached out to include the unclean. He purged demons from those whose lives were not their own. Even as Jesus hung on the cross, he extended forgiveness to the very people who had nailed him there. Jesus loved people, and his heart was broken for the sin and the sadness and the sickness and the separation that he saw in this world. And so he set his face toward Jerusalem that all might be saved and made right again. And setting his face toward Jerusalem meant for Jesus eternal reward. Philippians 2 continues on to say this. 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus ascended into heaven. He is exalted and he sits at the place of highest honor, the right hand of God the Father. And his reward, his bride, the church. And so how then, church, should all of this move you and me today? What should we do with this understanding, knowing the cost of Jesus setting his face toward Jerusalem for our redemption and saving? How do we behave knowing that Jesus ran right into the fire so that you and I would be saved to eternal life? What does that look like? For you and me, I believe that it looks like setting our faces toward what Jesus held so dear. You know, just like the policeman in our story, who had all the help of those neighbors without whom lives might not have been saved, our Savior enlists the help of us, the church, in order that more lives can be saved. See, Jesus does the saving, but it's our job. You and me to do the helping. It's our job to be someone's neighbor. That's part of what we call discipleship. And that's why the rest of tonight's passage that we heard Pastor Johnson read is about discipleship. Specifically, it's about the cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus, the cost of setting our faces like Flint, just as Jesus did. And let me tell you, Jesus doesn't promise us that any of that is going to be easy. He does promise, though, that following him will be eternally rewarding. Luke goes on to tell us of three would-be followers of Jesus who seemed like they were ready to follow but had all allowed something to stand in the way. Their own comfort, attachment to their past, lack of prioritizing God's plan. And Jesus doesn't mince words with them. He told them that his followers would follow a difficult road. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, he said to them. There can be none of this, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me do this. No, Jesus said, follow me first. And trust me. See, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. He set his face toward the Father's plan. He set his face toward the redemption of those who were lost. And so that's what we, as his followers, must do as well. We need to set our face just like Jesus did. When I was younger, I used to love to play the game Follow the Leader. You know, there's a leader and they would be in the front of the line and they would romp and run and jump and skip and do all sorts of things. And all of the people who were following would do the same thing. And if you didn't, you would be out of the game, right? I feel like discipleship for you and me looks a whole lot like follow the leader. We should do what Jesus did. We should love whom Jesus loves. We should set our faces toward the will of the Father just like Jesus did. What does that look like for you and me today? 2,000 years after Jesus ran into the fire for us in Jerusalem. 
Well, similarly to how it looked for Jesus, let me just revisit those couple of points briefly. Setting our faces like Jesus means having the resolve to do God's will. There will be some difficulties in following Jesus. And you and I would be wise to count the cost. But isn't it true that there are those who are lost, even to this day, who are worthy of our effort and dedication in pursuing them for Jesus? Think about it. Did you just go for Jesus the very first time somebody told you about him? Or was there persistence and persuasion on the part of somebody in your life? I can tell you I am so grateful for my little old granny for not relenting, but for telling me over and over and over and over again about the love of Jesus. Because one day I finally got it and I was finally saved from death to life. Jesus promised that following him, that setting our faces like him, would not be an easy road. But what a wonderful road it is to follow. It's a rewarding road. Jesus reminded us that with him, when we're connected to him, we can bear much fruit. And so my question for us tonight is this. What fruit lies before you? And do you have the resolve? To keep pursuing it. Setting our face like Jesus means having a heart that's broken for the hurting in this world. When we love those whom Jesus loves, then our hearts break for those who are suffering. And we cannot help but to get up and help. We can't help but be neighbors who serve, who feed, who care for, and who nurture who help the struggling fight their demons. There are so many ways that setting our faces like Jesus can you move you and me into action. Many of them happen right here at Mount Hope United Methodist Church, where you can help feed the hungry through our Bread of Life program, where you can reach out to the youth who are facing a difficult and ever-changing world, where you can clothe the needy, and where you can welcome the stranger. This church does, in fact, have a collective heart that is broken for the hurting in this world. You just get involved in what's going on here and watch how Jesus works through you to help save beloved lives. Because guess what? Setting our faces like Jesus means eternal reward for you and me. Don't misunderstand me here. It's not our helping. It's not our serving and our reaching out that gets you and me into heaven. That is all the work of Jesus. But when you serve, when you reach out to the hurting in his name, when you do your part for the kingdom of God, you are glorifying God. You are bringing honor to his name. You are pleasing the Lord. And when you have done those things, you will hear him say on the day you stand before him, well done. My good and faithful servant, I tell you, I can imagine no better reward. But there are some scriptures that tell us we will receive crowns, rewards in heaven for what we have done while here in the body. And then guess what? Guess what we get to do with those crowns? We get to lay them at the feet of Jesus. We get to lay them 
at the feet of the one who ran into the fire so that we could be there in heaven to get those crowns in the first place. Church family, Ash Wednesday is a day to remember that our own personal sins are a good part of the reason why our Savior set his face toward Jerusalem. Ash Wednesday is a day to take stock, to confess our sin that sent him there. It is a day to turn from that sin. It is a day to set our own faces toward the will of our Father in heaven. And so I ask you, won't you this day follow the leader? Amen.